Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. The Lord is good. And all the time. All right, let's open our Bibles this morning to the book of Colossians chapter 1. Let's take the declaration of God's glory. Colossians chapter 1 is where we are going to take this morning. I always like to take this portion of the scriptures. Uh, The reason is because I don't want us to ever forget what Christianity is about. Christianity is not about knowing what is right to do and doing right. Christianity is not about knowing what is good to do and doing it. That's not what it is primarily about. It's not about, did I visit the sick? I did not visit the sick. That's religion. I'm not saying it's bad. Please don't get me wrong. You are not a Christian at all, except you live by the knowledge of the fact that he came as his Lamb of God and died for your sins. We're not talking about what you are doing yet, though. We're talking about what you know and recognize. So Christianity is not a mixture of place where we like to believe anything we like. No. If you don't believe these things, you are of the Antichrist. The Antichrist spirit denies that Jesus came as the Son of God in the flesh. There's mixed multitudes. We can have a mixed multitude. People come. But true believers, there are certain things about them. It's not about I'm a nice person. It is fundamentally that I know Christ Jesus as the Son of God. I know that he came in the flesh, he died for my sins, and the sins of the whole world. And importantly, he rose again. I was telling somebody I was talking, no, I was telling somebody I was talking with. He said something. And I said, are you not saying that you don't believe in the literal, physical resurrection of Jesus Christ? And he answered me that, that has nothing to do with my faith. Now, this is somebody who claims to be a devout Catholic, who told me that he dedicated his work, one major work he did, to the mother of Christ, Mother Mary, who incidentally, I listened to the reference over the last few days, he said that Mary, some people claim to follow, has no resemblance with the young lady who the Holy Spirit visited, that she was going to have the Son of God. So there's no resemblance. That's just an aside. This man said, he said, and that they're saying that Jesus Christ, so to him, the resurrection is a farce. It's a, it's a myth. He said that that doesn't have anything to do with what we're talking about. So I said, I can't remember what I told him that you are not a Catholic, neither are you a Christian. I can't remember what I, what I told him that. But that's a fact. You're not, if you're talking about true Catholicism, you, are, you don't qualify. I'm not judging the, the, the sect. I'm not judging the church. I'm talking about you. From what I know, I grew up there. We went for catechism as children. You don't qualify. Many people who claim to be Christians, they are not. See, some things are fundamental. Whether you tie it or you don't tie it is not what we're talking about. Whether you tie your hair or you don't tie your hair has nothing to do with what I'm talking about. Whether you go to a building or you go to a, uh, the, the open space for fellowship, it doesn't have anything to do what I'm talking about. Whether they wrote your name, whether you have the baptismal card, is not what I'm talking about. Those are the unweighty matters of the law. Can I hear that expression? They're not weighty. The fundamental truth is that you know that Christ came. He lived that righteous life, sinless. Then he was sacrificed for our sins. And on the third day, he rose again from the dead, 
and he ascended to heaven. And then he's going to come back again. And he's a God-appointed judge of the living and the dead. If you don't believe these things, you are not a Christian. And if you are in church, you are an antichrist. There's what they call an antichrist spirit. Many pastors, I'm sorry to say, when we say pastors, I mean people who stand before the people of God and preach. Many of them, are, they, have, they carry the antichrist spirit. I have seen pastors now elevate what you can do on this earth more than whether you are willing to die for this truth. It's an issue now. It is more important what you can do on this earth. Listen, this earth is under judgment. And listen to this, it will pass away. Listen, turn the whole of the globe to Dubai. It will pass away. Sometimes I see scientists, that day I was watching a video on the hunt for exoplanets. So I said, I was asking myself, you're talking about hundreds of millions of dollars hunting for exoplanets. I said, what is all of this? Oh, then it hit me. They realize that we need another planet. And so maybe one day we'll, technology will advance, we cannot colonize other planets. Why? Because, you see, if we stay on this earth long enough, which we know we can't because we have enough nuclear weapons to kill each other, and we will one day. See, it's a matter of probability, simple science, simple mathematics. If you're talking about probability, so one day, what I mean is that probability means, if, if, if mathematics means anything, and follow the history of human behavior, then there's a chance that over the next, it may be a million years, one day, one income poop is going to arise and start a global nuclear detonation. And then we wipe everything off the globe. This office of the earth is going to happen. But let's think that that doesn't happen. They say if we are there long enough, one day this sun is going to run out of fuel and expand. There's a funny way the sun behaves when its fuel is finishing. When your generator fall is finishing, it will be going zoom, 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 and you go off. You know that sound? If you're in Nigeria, you should know that sound. If you don't know that sound, you are not in Nigeria. Either you are, you are from Europe, somewhere in North America, or you are too poor, you have never seen <laughs> generators. But every, every Nigerian knows this thing. When the sun finishes, you know what it, do, what it does? It expands and swallows all the planets around it. The clone comes so close to the earth, it burns it up. So that's why people are hunting for exoplanets. Where will we run to? Listen to me. This earth is passing away. If you like, turn it to Dubai. Turn it to another place. Where else? Turn it to America, whatever. Make it fine like, uh, like, uh, like heaven. One day, it will burn up. There is no choice about it. And like Dr. Fabio taught us then, he said, this gospel of the kingdom shall, de- shall be preached to the ends of the world and, and then as a witness to the nations. Then what? So we are preaching the gospel to end the earth. We are preaching the gospel to end the world, not to develop it. Because I see people now elevate social works above distributing the knowledge of Christ Jesus. And the world keep on encouraging us. I remember the time we have that joker in Lagos who, who called himself a prophet. The argument I had with people that he's doing good works. Man of God is giving rise to the poor right now. Of course, thank God for Professor Dinley. He has exposed all of them. 
Even though we knew those things before, all right? <laughs> Say, how? My father, he's giving rice to the poor. And the man will be going in front and be distributed. You know, I pastors handing out bread, rice, all of that. I said, Pastor, are you not even ashamed of yourself? Which Bible do you read? If your church wants to share out food, must you stand in front? Do you look like you are working for Shell? Or Guaranteed Trust Bank? Or MTN? Or Glow? The Grandmasters of Data? <laughs> so you now stand there. You'll be doing James Bond. That's not what church is about. That's not what church is about. As if people get involved in that. And I said, this, this, this church, like one day, Shogure says something. Because that pastor in Abuja, that uh, Reverend Father, he said something. Now, I, what that man says, I love him. I like hearing it. This truth that he shares, I agree with them. That's not, but that's not what I'm talking about. He said, he said something once that sounded radical and revolutionary. And Shogure said, this is the kind of pulpit, uh, messages I want to be hearing from pulpits. I said, you have a right to have expectation on what we preach from pulpits? Hey, what's going on here? You don't have the right. You don't even know what a pulpit is. You don't know what we're supposed to be doing. You can't have any expectation. You're not born again. Pastors are getting no, you know, because that's what the world does. Don't forget there was an old prophet with Jeroboam when God had to send a small prophet from far because the old prophet had become, you know, acclimatized to the political environment. So he couldn't say anything that they were doing wrong anymore. So now see pastors getting used to being influential. But what we need now is how to come together and develop this country. Nonsense. Now, I believe in developing the country. You know, I do. But that is not your job as a pastor. Your job is to preach Christ and him crucified. And I like the way David Paulson explained it. He said, what Paul said is Christ and him having been crucified. Christ and him having been crucified. That is a past tense matter. Where was he going? That the important thing is that he's resurrected. That he's risen. And the same Paul explained to us, he's seated at the right hand of the Father. From there one day he will return to judge the living and the dead. That is Christianity. It is not religionity. It is not righteous, righteousianity. There's no holinianity, whatever. It is Christianity. There's somebody we're talking about here. It is Messianity. It is Jesusinity. It is, it is about somebody. It's not about principles. It's not about what works. It's not about what works. It's not about results. Results terminate insults. Results terminate insults. And if you have a voice, you've got to have an invoice. All your poetry is not Christianity. I hope you're getting my point. No. Listen, a true Christian is a person that's ready, possessed by the Holy Spirit to die for this truth. That is why this morning again, we are taking our reading from the book of Colossians chapter 1. I'd like us to go there once in a while. We'll read from verse 13. No, we'll read from verse 12. I want us to give, read from verse 12 and read all the way to verse 20. If you are there, say amen. amen. Now we're reading from verse 12 and all the way to verse 20. Um, let's all use the same version as usual. That's our usual practice. We use the same version. 
and what we have chosen for that is New American Standard Bible. Now, please read this like you want to remind yourself and the two people beside you of what true Christianity is. Do you get my point? Yes, sir. One, two, go. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. For he rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is also head of the body, the church, and is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself will come to have first place in everything. For it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in him, and through him to reconcile all things to himself. Having made peace through the blood of his cross, through him I say, whether things on earth or things in heaven. Hallelujah. Amen. That is Jesus Christ. Somebody say that. Amen. Say that. that is Jesus say he is the image of the invisible God. Say Christ Jesus is the firstborn of all creation. Say by him all things were created. He is before all things. And in him all things hold together. Say Jesus is the head of the body. The church. Say Christ Jesus is the beginning. The firstborn from the dead. Say Christ Jesus has the first place in everything. Say in Christ Jesus the fullness of God dwells. Say in Christ Jesus the Father has reconciled all things to himself. Say, by the blood of his cross, all things are reconciled. Say, by the blood of his cross, I have been reconciled. Say, by the blood of his cross, I have been forgiven. I have been made righteous. My sins are washed away. He said, behold the Lamb of God. Say it again. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the whole world. Say it again. This is the Lamb of God. He has taken away the sins of the whole world. Say by his death on the cross he has broken down the wall of partitioning. I want to add another one. Say by the blood of his cross by his death on the cross by his resurrection, he has broken down the walls of partitioning. I said walls. I put an S there for a reason. There's a reason why I put that S there. The walls. Why did I say that? Whether between Jew and Gentiles, that wall has been broken. Do you get that? Between the blessed and the not blessed, that wall has been broken. Let me explain. There was a wall of partitioning between the descendants of Shem, the descendants of Japhet, and the descendants of Ham. There was. That's why I said the walls. All those walls, they have been broken. 
Say that again. Amen. Amen. All those walls have been broken. Amen. No, I want you to repeat that after me. Say it. All those walls, All those walls have, been broken. have been broken. Say for that reason. For that reason. I am not inferior. I am not inferior to anybody. To anybody. For that reason. For that reason. No Christian. No Christian. No child of God. Is inferior to anybody. Let me say this, and I'm to say categorically. Now, it's not a very nice statement because it will almost sound offensive, but I have to say because it's the truth. If you preach the superiority of Jews to anybody, you are preaching an antichrist message. Preachers preach it every day. It's an antichrist message. It's the message opposes Christ. I see people do it. It's painful. Paul said, henceforth we know no man after the flesh. And when he was talking about, you must understand, he was talking about the Jewish heritage and stuff like that. That is why you will not find in the New Testament Jesus being referred to, listen to this, as the son of Abraham, the son of David. They don't find it. He said, but he said, no, no, I said New Testament. That is after his death and resurrection. The Jews called him that in the Gospels. You will not hear him. If you ever see any reference like that, they are telling a history. But one thing they kept on calling God. God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus said it clearly. He said, before Abraham, I am. He didn't even say I was. To let them know that this existence is eternal. I've heard preachers say it, and I'm begging you not to do it again. If you want to be blessed, you connect with a Jew. It's an antichrist statement. The blessing, the promise was to whom? Abraham and what? His seed. And not seeds as of many, but seed as of one. And that one is whom? Christ Jesus. That one is whom? Christ Jesus. Say it again. Say, by the blood of his cross. By the blood of his cross. I have been blessed. I have been blessed. And I am blessed. Say, because I believe, because I believe I'm, seated with him I'm seated with him on the right hand of the Father, on the right hand of the Father in, heavenly places, in heavenly places, far above principalities and powers. Above principalities and powers. That's what I meant when I said the walls. Because there are so many walls. You know, the walls still do, but they've been broken. The wall between the Baptist and the Anglican, between the Catholics and the Protestants. One thing that I see once they go to the church here, only baptized, confirmed, can take, can, can take communion. I say, bros, leave that thing. You just go, I don't want to come. Otherwise, the wall has been broken. Look, if I get up and go there, look, look, listen. Ah, uh, what are you telling me? How can you be telling me? How can you come to church and build a wall that Jesus Christ has broken? Warn yourself. I will get, if your grandfather said that you're a baptized, confirmed, I say, yeah, what is Catholic? Christ, I be, right? Okay, yeah, I am. He said, no, do you believe in that? Bros, leave that thing. I said, if you don't give me this thing, you're in trouble. Because if I get off from here, my getting up is an accusation against you. Can you deny me? What is it? You can't tell me I'm only the body of Christ. You can say you are not, but you can't tell me I am not. I hear that blasphemy very regularly when I go for maybe weddings and they say only, I say, which communion? And that is an incomplete communion. I'm sorry if you're a Catholic, but we'll preach this truth. We are saying that we are one. That's what we are saying. We're not trying to say, we're not trying to pull you down. We are saying that we are one. 
There are some small, small matters of the law. Are you getting my point? Things that are not important that divide some of us. Like go to some churches when they want to say it's time for praise worship. Oh, eh, eh. I'm like, why do you praise God like this? But God doesn't mind. Why should I mind? You go to some places, they open. It's still praise. Amen? Amen. Uh-huh. If I want you to see some praise, okay, Franklin, then they lead. You'll be like, wow. But they say, no, come on, come on, come on. <laughs> if you grew up in this conservative setting, you say, this cannot be God. Those are the unweighty matters of the law. So those little, little things can make us gather in different places. I told you, there's a church I used to go to preach. We're having service. I'm the guest minister. There's another service next door. The vicar said, hey, hey, all you people that like to make noise and be drunk, go to that hall. Those who like to sing him, come to this hall. So there are two churches in the same congregation. So I do pray that on Sunday, please, you preach in that big church. The other we gather here. And where we gather is, the other point, you know, Jesus, how God, he tried to manage all of us. That's why he's God. Those are no weighty matters. But in the real matters, we are one. And anyone that tries to divide that one is working for the Antichrist. Father, we thank you for this morning. As we have come, we have come to receive insight. We have come to receive understanding. Thank you because we know that you have given it to us. Therefore, we declare as follows. Now I declare that the Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I am pleasing him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work, and I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to his word. The word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area, and it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. All right, let's take our seats. The Lord is good. Okay, let's open our Bibles this morning to the book of Ephesians, the letter of Paul to the Ephesians. We are reading from chapter 4, Ephesians chapter 4, from verse 7. But to each of one grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore it says, When he ascended on high, he led captive a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. Now, this expression, he ascended, what does it mean except that he also had descended into the lowest parts of the earth? He who descended is himself also he who ascended far above all the heavens, so that he might fill all things. And he gave some as apostles. These are the gifts he gave to men. He gave some as prophets, and some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers. Notice that he joined those two together. He didn't break them apart like he did the other ones. Now he said in verse 12, why did he do all of this, or why did he do this? For the equipping of the saints for the work of service, to the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, until we all attain to a mature man, that is, manhood, one man, 
until we all attain to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. Notice that purpose, that goal. Now, as a result of this attainment, we are no longer to be children. This is verse 14. We are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men. That is, we are not to be carried about by the trickery of men. We are not to be carried about by craftiness in deceitful scheming. Rather, what are we to attain, or what are we to produce as a result of what we have attained, which is the fullness of Christ? He said, but speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ. No, I think I should rearrange something here. The process of this is speaking the truth, that's the thing. The process is speaking the truth in love so that we can all grow up in every aspect into him who is the head, even Christ. From whom, that is, that is from Christ, the whole body is being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part. That is, as we grow up, each individual part can work properly. And when each individual part is working properly, they supply something. So they make the whole body grow, causing the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. That is God's aim is that the whole body of Christ will grow. And how does that happen or how will that come about? It is as each individual part is working properly, functioning well. So the maturity, the fullness of the growth of the body of Christ is dependent upon the individual growth. I hope you're getting my point. And how did God pursue that? Is to give some amongst them as apostles, some as prophets, evangelists, you know, pastors and teachers. It now says in verse 17, So this I say, and affirm together with the Lord, that you walk no longer just as the Gentiles also walk, in the futility of their mind, now notice this, being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God, because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their heart, and they, having become callous, have given themselves over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. But you did not learn Christ in this way, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught in him just as truth is in Jesus. Let me just stop reading in verse 21 here. The Lord is good. Now, it looks like um, this is, actually from time, from the time I started preaching, this particular subject I've been on for some days now, has turned out to be, I think, the most important thing I preach about, actually. Each time I get there, I get stuck. If I remember, once I went to um, University of Benin campus, I was already a graduate. One of our brothers was getting married, so we used, there was a church, we were meeting then. So, this now said, um, what do you call that program you do the night before the wedding, the church thing? Huh? No, testimony night. Uh-huh, testimony. Ah, I, knew, I knew there was something churchy about it, you know. Testimony. So, we had testimony night. So, I was there. Of course, I came to, you know, we, we came to play now, you know. It was a wedding, all right? <laughs> Who comes to a wedding to come and minister? Who come to weddings to come and play, to eat? 
So that day, of course, while people were you know, doing this, playing, singing songs and different things, one of our brothers there coordinating, he just said to me, Banky, please, you will preach. I was like, excuse me. The meeting was on. I'm supposed to preach. Maybe in another 20 minutes or 30 minutes, it will be my turn to come forward and come and preach. So I said, ah, I called him. I said, ah, bro, bro, you, you can't do this. You can't do this. I mean, you're just telling me now, like now. And you know, I mean, I know there's a mood you are in. There's a ministry mood, but there's a, there's a, even Jesus got to a wedding. You know, he sat down. They served him. I mean, you can't be doing this to me. You know, that kind of thing. He just said, look, Banky, you are the one preaching. So I kept, I continued to protest. Then something crossed my mind. I looked around the whole place. I said, if this man is just telling somebody to preach now, if, and I say no, who will he go to? The only person I could see, all right, that was able to do it was the person who it. It was my senior. So I said, if he's, okay, if I refuse, so he has to go to the groom. So of course that's not going to work. So I reluctantly accepted. Where am I going? So I preached from, where again? Somewhere in Isaiah. It said, the remnant of the house of Judah will take roots downwards and bear fruit upwards. I don't know why I even remember that scripture. I just went, just went to the back of the hall, scribbled a few things down and came forward. And I took that text of scripture. For the next semester on that campus, that was what, I was told later, that's what everybody was preaching. That is, and our secular people. The finishment, you have to remember that the remnant of the house of Judah will take root downwards and bear fruit upwards. It be, that is, years later, people were remembering that particular, was it a 20-minute or 30-minute message? It wasn't that long. And this was what I was preaching. I remember it now. The taking root, or the taking of root, which English is correct now? The root taking downwards, I mean. <laughs> so there's the taking of root downwards, which is what Christians are supposed to do. When you take root downwards, then you are not tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. As believers in Christ Jesus, I want you to understand that maturity is a plan of God for us individually and for us collectively as a church. What am I trying to say? There are stages in Christian development. There is this babyhood stage in which it says, desire as newborn babes. What do you do? Desire the sincere milk of the word. As newborn babes. Please, I want to remind us. God does not want us to remain babes forever. He says in Hebrews chapter 5, that a time comes that not only should you no longer be babes, you ought to be strong enough to teach other people. Those who take pleasure in getting approval for everything they want to do from their pastor, their babes. Please, I'm not saying you can never ask for counsel from elders. That's not what I'm saying. But if you have this idea, and if you're a pastor, I'm not talking to those who come to you now. I'm talking to you as a pastor. Who thinks that every household in your church must come to declare, discuss everything with you? So the man comes and says, um, there's a new business he wants to do. What do you think? Now, listen to me. Listen to me. You're a preacher. Okay, you went to school, so you have a first degree maybe in business studies or, or physics. And this man... He's an agriculturist. They're coming to ask you 
let's leave business to maybe you are a lawyer or you, but you get my drift. You don't understand the area. And he's asking you, what should he do? And you're looking at him, excuse me, sir. Do I look like I know that industry? You know, he's coming to ask for spiritual counsel. Now, please, follow me closely. It will appear like a good thing initially. But it gets to a time. And you should teach your people like that. That please, if you come to me, I will confuse you. You should be able to grow to an extent. You know what to do with your life. It is not my job as a pastor to find to micromanage your affairs for you. For many of us ministers, it's, it, gives, it, it gives us gratification, a sense of importance. They can't do anything without telling me. And if anybody does it, you get offended. Now, please don't get me wrong. I'm not saying you can't ask for counsel. I hope you get my point. Of course, who knows everything? I'm not saying you can't ask for somebody to pray with you. Yes, you can't ask for your pastor to pray with you. Ah, there's a way of, we are starting the business, my friend and I, or this brother and I. Can you come and pray with us? I think it's fine. But to expect me, every time you want to make a decision, so you say, what did the Lord say? That is not Christian. Now, it comes as a shock to many people. You have finished making your plan, now go to me and say, what is the Lord saying? I don't know. Who told you I know? Initially, it might be okay when you are a baby Christian. Baby Christians, please do that. It's fine. But understand that it's temporary. You are supposed to grow until you are big enough to pastor your own life. Did you hear what I said? You should be big enough to pastor your own life. And be able to pastor the new convert. Do you care what I'm saying? Because he said, time comes. Please open there. Hebrews chapter 5. So you know that what I'm saying is from the scriptures. Remember Ephesians chapter 4. We read that extensively. We'll come back there later. Hebrews chapter 5. He was talking about Melchizedek. He now said in verse 11. He said, concerning this Melchizedek, we have much to say. There's only one problem. It is hard to explain why. He said, I'm switching to New Living Translation. He said, it's difficult to explain since you are spiritually dull and don't seem to listen. You have been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. That's New Living Translation, verse 12. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's word. You are like babies who need milk. And cannot eat solid food. He said, for someone who lives on milk is still an infant. And does not know how to do what is right. Solid food, however, is for those who are mature. Who through training have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. Let me use the New American Standard. There. It says, for solid food is for the mature who because of practice have their senses trained to discern good and evil. What am I saying? Many people are still expecting the pastor to constantly be the one to tell them this is good, this is evil. Like I said, it's okay in the, prima, in, in the early stages. Please, my, again, my focus, the people I'm directing at that at are those who are the pastors, who are the heads of congregations. Let people understand this because I've seen a situation in which pastors spend a lot of time counseling 
And there are counseling people who have been in the church for the last six years, seven years. Ha. So they can't make decisions? No. Teach people with the aim that you will rarely hear from them when it comes to decision making. They won't come and bug you. They will be there with you when people come. They want to ask you questions. Please go and miss us on super. Now, please, again, let me explain. Occasionally, I mean, nobody's perfect. You understand my point? Times will come when even pastor needs counseling. I hope you're getting my point. Sometimes it's not just that you need counseling. You need encouragement. What I mean is you know what is right to do. If I once I had to make a decision, it had to do with, I had two doors opening, open in front of me at the same time. All right? To do something just for a short period. Now, where I'm going is that at the point in time, I ask, I call Pastor Courage. As a man of God, please. Hmm? This, 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 and that is before me. Look at the issues I'm having. What do you think I should do? He said, oh, look, 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 my brother, do this. Do A. Don't forget B. I said, thank you. I knew I was supposed to do A. I just needed somewhere to say it. <laughs> I didn't have any doubt. But you know, there are times you just need encouragement. I just needed encouragement. So I, I said, do you know why I called you? I knew what you would say. I knew where your heart was. I knew what was important to him, all right, which was the issue. I said, okay, be, since we have the same spirit, let me use the word spirit. I said, let me hear what he was. If he has said the opposite, one, I would have been surprised. I would have asked him a lot of questions, but I would have listened carefully. Why? Because I knew he had my spirit. And of course, he had my interest at heart. Okay? Now, what I'm going to say is that sometimes we need that also. So I'm not trying to say that even pastors can't ask for um, counsel or ask for advice. But I say a lot of times, mature people need encouragement. They need encouragement. I read the story once of one great American president. Can't remember the name now. He needed advice, so he called one of his friends to come and see him, and that one came. So as soon as they led that one into the Oval Office, it was like, ah, thank you very much. Oh, thank you very much, Andrew, for coming. Thank you so much. He sat him down and began to tell him everything that was a problem. That was, of course, President of the United States, all the problems he was having and what he needed to do, he spoke for about 40 minutes. As he'll be speaking, he'll be saying, okay, I think this is what we should do. When he finished everything, his friend didn't say anything. He said, thank you for advice. Thank you so much. I'm so, 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 it was so nice talking to you. I think I'm going to do what you say. I'm going to do what you said. <laughs> but the friend didn't say anything. At the end of the time, of course, his president is very busy. They are, that man left and he continued. And he did exactly what the man told him. Of course, the man didn't say anything. Now, what, do you know what really happened to him? He just had the opportunity to express himself. And as he was expressing himself, he was hearing his own counsel back. Of course, his friend did not know as much as he knew of the depths of the things that were going on. But by talking to that friend, you know, the deep was calling onto the deep. You know, he was being released. He heard himself, but he did not know he was the one that said those things. So I'm trying to emphasize that we do talk to friends, even when we are mature. We do ask for what? Counsel. We ask for encouragement. However, what I'm addressing is this idea that the job of a pastor is to keep helping church people make decisions. No. Your job is to train the people of God until they are mature enough to be able to discern and separate between that which is what? Good and the one that is bad. They, they will come to a personal understanding of what is right 
and what is wrong, one. And number two, they become people that younger people can go to and go and hear, get counsel. The aim of God for his children is maturity. That's what I'm going to emphasize. The plan that God has for his children is that they should become mature. That is the plan he has. Now, what is maturity in Christianity? Maturity is having the mind of Christ. Somebody says that, hey, wait, wait. Is this an easier expression than the first one? You say, what is maturity? He says, having the mind of Christ. Don't worry, I was planning to explain it. What does it mean to have the mind of Christ? Please, I want to read a particular scripture. All right? Okay, I don't need to read it. Let me just, let me just say it. We've heard it. We talk about it all the time. That as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are what? Okay. Now, we often, okay, interpret that. I just need to correct it again, even though I've done that many times. We often interpret that to mean that when you want to make a decision, you go and pray until God speaks to you. Let me offer this to you if you have not heard me say it before. That that is not an accurate interpretation of that particular portion of the scriptures. You must understand the word spirit in the Bible has a very wide range of uses. If I start counting for you now, I think I can quickly count like six without no breaking the stride. Spirit refers to beings without physical bodies. And the most important of them being the Holy Spirit. But also angels are also sometimes called spirits. He makes his ministers spirits, flames of fire. Demons are called spirits, but they are called evil spirits. So beings, intelligent, personal beings are called spirits. Then the Bible you also find things like the wind, the storm. The word pneuma is used also. What does that tell you? Any invisible force, okay, that has an effect around you but you cannot see is called what? Spirit, the same thing. So it's the reason why many people confuse the issue with the Holy Spirit a person or just a force. And there are denominations that the reason why they are different from others is that they say there's nothing like a person called the Holy Spirit, but that there is a force, the Spirit of God. Now what I found out growing up as a believer, studying the scriptures, is that both of them are right. I think there is the person, the Holy Spirit, but there is also Many people now, this is a mistake the other group now make, the rest of us. That once you see Spirit of God, it means it's a person. No. You have to read it in context. Spirit of God, the Spirit of God can simply mean the power of God. It can simply mean the glory of God. The Spirit of God can mean that. Alright? It's not every time when you see the Spirit of God, you say, yeah, that's the Holy Spirit, the person that Jesus was talking about that he was sent. No. Yet the Lord has sent me and his spirit. People say it means that God will send Jesus and send the Holy Spirit as a person. No. What it means is that the spirit of God is upon me. That was not the person because you must understand. Please, I think you can easily work that out. Jesus said that if I don't leave, the Holy Spirit cannot come. Is that not what he said? Is that not in the Bible? He said so, right? Then how come the Holy Spirit came upon him on the day he was baptized? That was not the person. That was the power of God. That was the anointing of God. But when he left, then the person came. So that's why a lot of people, you know, they get confused. When you see the word spirit in the Bible, always read it in context for you to know exactly what he's talking about. 
Then when it says spirit, another word we think to use for spirit is motive. What is pushing you? What is that deep-seated thing about you that we cannot see, but that is affecting the things that you do? For example, he will tell you things like, the spirit of a man will bear his infirmity. What does that mean? It means that, listen, if you see a footballer running and the goal is there, he has dribbled the keeper. Eh? You know, if you, if you, if you clear him and he's the ground, he's not waiting for the referee to blow the whistle. What will happen? He will get up as long as he can see the ball. And then he will hit the ball into the net and collapse there. These boys don't know they are injured until the game is over. A friend of mine told me a story about the rumble in the jungle. George Foreman versus Muhammad Ali. Muhammad Ali had, you know, planned. They plotted very well for Foreman. Foreman was much younger than him, stronger than him by far. But he looked at Foreman and said, we can take this guy out. All Ali needed to do was to withstand his blows for the first few rounds. They found out that George Foreman didn't use to punch for long. He was so strong, most of his opponents are dead. <laughs> yeah, he comes to the ring. The first few, just, it was like for, um, Mike Tyson. Maybe just a little bit stronger. He used to beat everybody. See, this guy can't last a lot. Not because he's a lazy person. Foreman was so strong, they put a cow on his back one day. They mistakenly left it there. He carried it. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know the size of the cow, but he really did. He was a very, very, very strong guy. Okay? But he was so strong... His opponents didn't used to last. For that reason, he did not build endurance. And they identified that. That was what Ali went for. I will keep him boxing for a number of rounds. Then he will get tired. And when I watched the analysis, Foreman beat Ali, beat Ali so badly, he wore out. I don't know what happened. He was the one that got tired. In fact, one guy was analyzing. Ali gave him one blow. The, the, the shower of sweat that he knocked off that guy's face filled the whole ring. What, what am I talking about? They said next morning, that guy had injured Ali badly. But no, Ali didn't fall down. The spirit of a man will bear what? His infirmity. That is, I'm going to win this. That's where I'm going. I'm going to win this. I'm going to win this. So they were beating him. He kept on standing. He just blocked his face. The guy gave him all kinds of body shots. But I'm going to win this. The spirit of a man was bearing the blows. So that was spirit. Describe what is sustaining you. It's a goal in front of you. What is pushing you? What's your drive? The Bible also causes spirit. I hope you're getting my point. It's very important. So when the Bible says, as many as are led by the spirit of God, please listen to me. He wasn't saying, as many as are Whispered to by God are the sons of God. You must understand. He was saying, now I'm going to paraphrase it and I'll go back to explain it. What he said was that as many as are mature enough to make decisions the same same way the Lord would, as many as are propelled by the same thing that propelled the Lord Jesus. That's why he said in Philippians that let this mind be in you as also was in Christ Jesus. What he was saying is there is something inside Jesus. That thing is what he called the spirit of God. Now, please, it was, please don't get me wrong. He wasn't describing it as a person who whispers to somebody. He was describing it as a principle, a life force inside a person 
that compels him to do things in a particular way. So it says, if that spirit is in you, listen to me, you will do exactly what the Lord will do, whether he spoke to you or he did not. That's what he called the spirit of God. That's what I wrote in my book, Guided by the Spirit. This idea of go and pray till God speaks to you, as, no, as noble as it sounds, as spiritual as it sounds, as nice as it sounds, is not God's ultimate plan. God does that as a stopgap measure, a filler until you reach maturity. The more mature you are as a believer, the less he speaks to you. Contrary to the general thinking, that the more mature you are as a Christian, the more God talks to you because now you're able to hear his voice. It is not true. The more mature you are as a believer, the less he needs to talk to you because he says you should know that. And from personal experience, we have seen that over the years. People come to you and say they prayed, they prayed, they fasted, they did everything for four days, for one week. At the end, what happened? The Holy Spirit said this to them. And you want to open to them where that is in the Bible. That if only they have called you on day one, you will have spared them these four days of fasting and praying. But they wouldn't have believed you, so it's good they prayed and fasted. And the many times people will finish, they come back at the end of one week, they say, Holy Spirit says something, and you look at them and say, Holy Spirit didn't say that. Go back. But he fasted and prayed for a week. I know. But I am telling you, the Holy Spirit said nothing of such. I don't know how many were here yesterday evening as we were sharing the word. And our sister Precious brought up the issue of one man that said he wanted to do something. And she was like, excuse me. He said the Holy Spirit said to him, ah. So she was like, Mugbe, Holy Spirit said this one to you. Are you sure? The guy said, yes, okay, come. Let's go and hear Pastor Banky preach. At the end, we would decide whether the Holy Spirit spoke to you. <laughs> so she dragged the guy here. The guy heard me preach. I don't know how many times. How many times? Oh, one time, once. He came for one meeting. He left, and he was angry. Then she came to the conclusion the Holy Spirit never spoke to you. Because for you to be angry on the things that Pastor Banky just said, maybe that day the Holy Spirit now took over me and spoke to him. And he left the place. He was vexed. How can he say this? How can he say that? We can't do ministry like that. You could see the anger in him. And she understood. Now I know the Holy Spirit never spoke to you. Why? Because when he had sound instruction on the precepts of God, he rejected every precept that I presented that day from the word of God. It became clear to me that we were discussing it yesterday. That that man was motivated by the spirit of ambition. He was motivated by the spirit. Because three things are in this world. The loss of the eyes, the loss of the flesh, and the pride of life. Listen to this. That fellow was being spoken to and bled by the spirit of this age. The desire to be somebody important. You know, in modern day Nigeria, I've been saying it. Being a pastor is honorable. If you get, sometimes you're in a hurry, you get to a checkpoint, see military men or policemen armed, block the road, trying to maintain peace, and you wind down. I am pastor, so and so and so. Carry on. I don't like doing it, but occasionally I do when I'm in a hurry. <laughs> they just look at you, yeah, you look like a pastor. Look at your behavior, you look like a pastor. Yeah, just be going, just be going. But if he say, if he just say to them, any other thing, they will tell you to park, open your boots. Bring the sniffer dog. Sniff, this guy is carrying cocaine. <laughs> and I'm just adding that one as a joke. But you see, it's honorable. 
All right? You pastor a church, you know, your best day is, is church event. In fact, we have now, we have now turned it to an institutional arrangement. Now, I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just trying to tell you why young people want to be pastors. They look like I said, my last, my birthday of two years ago was only me and Chooks that went to eat biscuits, uh, no, Okwa with Coke. That was celebration. Meanwhile, my friend Okemote, that's pastoring one branch there, he invited us for his birthday. We saw what happened. The whole service was about him. They talked, they said, Jesus, we know. Pastor Okemote, we know. <laughs> now, we may be laughing. Do you know a lot of young men hear the call to the ministry because of that? I'm not saying because of that, you shouldn't not celebrate your pastor. That's what I'm saying. But I'm just saying it causes confusion. Maybe we should start persecuting us some more. Every pastor, you do f- three months in jail. <laughs> After that, you know those who are really called to ministry. At this three months in jail, they'll take your picture. Oh, preaching the gospel. Jail of one, f- hard labor. I don't mean uh, jail of uh, taking visitors. No. They put you in, pre- in fact, solitary for one week. You will hear God. You will hear, you, you will hear God. At the end of three months, they now release you on probation. And they'll be watching you. After all the young men, how many people are called to ministry here? Say, we are still praying. People will be called to marketplace ministry. I mean, I don't want trouble. But now everybody hears the call to ministry. That was what's wrong with your friends, precious. That was his problem. The Holy Spirit didn't speak to him. The spirit of this age spoke to him. He was being led by the spirit of this age. Now, when the Bible says in that Romans chapter 8, that as many as are led by the spirit of God, that was what he was saying. That, listen... There's a way the spirit of the Lord will be in you. The spirit of the Lord, not, not the Holy Spirit as a person. But listen to this. The mind of God. The motive of God. The love of God. The desire to please the Father. All those things put together is called what? The spirit. What kind of spirit? The spirit of the Lord. What kind of spirit? The spirit of God. What kind of spirit? The spirit from heaven. That was what the Bible was saying in that Romans chapter 8. What am I going to say? It, was, it wasn't talking about the ability to hear voices. He was saying, drink so much of the Lord. You know when we're talking about, um, what's the name? What's the name of that series we did? Was it last year? When I talked about the reason why we worship. Huh? Is it true worship? Anyway, you know? When you've been doing this job for a long time, you know? You, you, you have used all kinds of titles. You have to be man. Sometimes, in fact, there was a day I gave a title. Reverend Fendis came and met me and said, Oh, God, we have used this title before. <laughs> Seriously. He said, You have used this title before. I said, oh, Where? He said, In a back league. <laughs> Seriously. What for what? I did a series that I want to go to a back league. He said, This is the title you use. I said, Rechange that and let us get another title. Of course, we just change the word. No? That's when I can use English, you know. Instead of saying that the righteousness of God, you say God's righteousness, the same thing. <laughs> but the series at least is different. <laughs> and when we're talking about um, the reason why we worship, that what did the Lord, what did he used to do when you come to the garden? Remember I explained, now I need to go over it briefly. I explained then that when 
God made man a living soul. That was not the ultimate. That was a process in, can I use the word, in production. That you will notice that the fact that God says something is good, never forget this. When you are reading the scripture, you have to learn to read properly. Who was the most righteous of all the men that time, the time of Job? It, was a, it looked like the perfection of righteousness as far as the earth was concerned. Yes, that was a fact. However, as good as he was, there was another level to get to. And that was why that whole thing happened. You know the story of Job. I like to just preach small, small things in between in case somebody listened to only this. The story of Job was that God needed to remove Job from the righteousness, the righteousness by, and confidence by works to the righteousness and confidence by faith, in which you have confidence only in what God is doing in your life. That was what God was trying to do in Job. That was why he invited Satan. Go and read your Bible. It was the invitation of God to Satan. Satan never brought up the idea. Okay? So that was why God did that, so that Job can get to another level. Even though initially it looked perfect, but he moved to another level. Do you get my point? All right? Never forget it. Again, when God finished making man, he did not say he was, he was good. In fact, he said he was very good. Trophos. He made it say good. Made that one good. Made that one good. Then finally made man. The Bible says was what? Very good. That tells you good has levels. The other things were good. Adam was very good because he pleased the father extra. Then the same Lord came back and said it is not good again. The very good is now not good anymore. Because one day he came and said it is not good that man. Now see, that is a stage came, a point came in which the state of man at that time disqualified him from the very goodness matter. So they took him to another level. We now made a help fitted for him. Do you get my point? So that's how it is. We keep on improving in the level of um, um, goodness. Can I use that expression? Yes. You know, we keep on getting better. So even though something looks good. So we said then, when God made that man, and he said it was very good, don't be deceived. It was just a stage. And it was perfect at that stage. Where he really was going, or let, let's, let me say, say this one first. That stage was a proper casing made into which he will inject in production. They call it a mold. He was not going to inject his plastic. He was not going to inject his metal. Whatever it was into that mold. The real thing that he wanted to produce, listen, in Adam had not been produced. Which was why, even though Adam fell, it was not too much of a disappointment to God. It was just that, okay, instead of, going to, instead of going to the promised land in seven days, you will go in 40 years, but you still get there. The coming of Jesus was not an afterthought. They were still going to the place that was planned originally. If you notice that the Lord used to come in the cool of the day to come and speak with Adam. Now, back to the reason why I went to all of that talk. This Adam that God had made was now ready to receive the fullness of God that he wanted to place in him. I don't know whether you're getting my point. The monkey was not made to be like God. So once they made him, it was done. But that first Adam you saw was a stage. The real place where they were going was that fullness of, in the, in the image of God he made him, male and female he created them. You will understand that when you get to the heavens, there's no male and female. Is that not what Jesus said? So that was just a stage for this earth. 
So what was God doing? He will come and talk to Adam. And in talking to Adam, he's breathing his life into Adam. Now, he, now please, get this. He didn't just lay hands. Well, he couldn't have done that. That's what we will have loved. Now, listen to this carefully. Please, everybody, listen to this. What we will have loved is Adam, come. Receive the life of God. Adam will fall under the power. They will rise from under the power. So we made under Jesus. Next. Seth, come. Receive it. You fall under the power. Someone will catch him, right? Then you get up. He's been made in the image of God. Next. No, God didn't do that. He knew it was going to be a process. Some of these processes, uh, we don't know how long it will take. I don't know whether Adam will have taken a thousand, two thousand years. What God was doing is that eventually a time will come. God will look at Adam and say, This, listen to this, is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Now eat of the tree of life. Adam will have gone, eaten of the tree of life, and lived forever. That tree of life will have converted his first body to a resurrection body. Do you get it? Yeah, that was, that was, I've just told you the brief history of life. Adam will have eaten of that tree of life as a final, you know, like the final point. This is his graduation day. They will now present to him, now you can go and eat of the tree of life that is in the paradise of God. They will eat it and they will have lived forever. We know that that's what that tree used to do to people, which was why God said, no, no, don't let him eat it. Drive him away. Because if he had eaten it that time, you will have had an immortal devil roaming the earth. Do you follow my point? Yeah, it would have been a problem. He would have remained like a fallen being. But then, uh, for your information, can I teach you small science? When we were studying the biology of cancer cells, the first stage, the final stage, is it first? Yeah, the final stage in forming a cancer cell is what we call immortalization. Normal cells die after a number of divisions. Cancer cells can divide for a million years. That's how we know them. It's called immortalization. Because what happens is that what that thing does is that a cell has become bad. One of the things it does, how to keep that evil going, is to make sure it can't die. So it goes all over the body destroying things, but it can't die. Doctors treat and treat and treat. It's so hard to make it die. Only the hand of God can make it die. That was what God was avoiding when he said, don't let him eat of that tree of life. That tree was going to make his life, as he, whatever state he was in, permanent. And God didn't want that. God didn't want that. What God wanted was that I will build you up to a place first. Then I will give you that tree of life to eat from it. Then you will not live eternally. So that was God's plan. What I want to take us back to again. Remember I said that God was not going to do that by laying hands on him. At the beginning, when he breathed into him the breath of life and he became a living soul. Being a living soul means that he became someone who could now receive information and be transformed by the information. That's part of it. Someone who could decide what to enjoy, what not to enjoy. Now, all of those traits that God placed in man were placed there. The aim was to make the man, in simple terms, able to receive God. 
The animals did not have it. Animals are not, look, if divinity enters an animal, or anything spiritual enters an animal, it lasts a short while. So you see a treat, a spirit can possess a donkey and it talks. And as soon as it's done talking, it's out. If it tries to stay inside there, the donkey dies. When the demons enter the pigs, they had to drown. They just had to drown. When they tell you that an animal is possessed in the house, I said, go and check, it's dead. If it's not dead, it's not possessed. The one you watch in films, the cat, cat will be prowling up and down. And it says it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a witch cat. cat. Uh, nothing witchy about that cat. The ones that are really possessed by devils are dead. They can't last for long. They're not designed to receive. I don't want to start talking about you know, the human design. This f- human flesh all right, is special. Special. Very, very special. But what I want to emphasize on is the fact that, so when the Lord will come to Adam, the way he was changing Adam, listen to this, was not just I lay hands on you, I breathe into you. That breath is an initiator. That's a good word. The breath is an initiator. After Jesus rose up from the dead, he entered, that was when he created the second man in them also. He came there, he breathed on them, like I was telling you, and said to them what? Receive what? Now, just to go back there, that's another use. Receive the Holy Spirit. Let me ask you, had the Holy Spirit come down from heaven that time? No, he hadn't. How come they were receiving it? Again, it's in context. Literally, what he did was that, receive holy breath. The same way Adam received the breath of God at the beginning. For the new creation now, I have to breathe upon you again. And each time you give your life to Christ, Jesus comes and breathes upon you. You are not born again unless he breathes upon you. That's not talking about receiving the Holy Spirit, all right, to come and empower you, which I wrote in that book, Receive the Holy Spirit. No. It's giving you new life, which is the initiator of spiritual progress in a particular direction. That's why you can be born again today. Your life is not much changed from yesterday. However, your appetite changes instantly. If your appetite does not change, you are not saved. You may not be able to do some new things. You may still have the trait of the old life. However, what is going to transform you is what you start feeding on. And that's what happens. You see, as soon as a baby is born, you know, if the human baby was, you've heard this before, the human baby is the most helpless of all newborns. When goat gives birth to a baby, in a few minutes, the goat is standing and can follow the mother. You know that. Most animals, in fact, lizard just lay the egg and walk in and go. One day the egg will hatch, the little lizard will get up. Within a short while, it knows what to catch. It's just instinct, it's there. But the human being was designed differently. If you give birth to a baby and it's not attended to, it will die. Fact. If you give birth to a baby and keep food six inches away from it, it will die. If you give birth to a baby and keep covering three inches away from him, he's going to die. You have to apply the clothing. You have to bring the food to his mouth. But there's one thing babies have more than any other thing. They can't suck. Babies just, they'll be sleeping and sucking. Most of us, when we sleep, we stop eating. So they'll just be sleeping and just sleep up like this. Once the mother let me put him down, ah, don't go. Continue. 
that's their own. You know why God did like that? That's the key to life. Suck and you will live. So that I run up and down, just suck, your time will come. See this goat that first day got his iron up and that you will soon eat that goat. Just continue sucking. <laughs> I hope you are getting my point. Yes, that appetite is what God wants the new Christian to have. And that's what he plans in him. Suddenly you want to go to church. If you see anybody that says, I gave my life to Christ yesterday. Let's go to church today. Say, I don't think I want to go. He's not, he's not telling the truth. He's not telling the truth. You can't give your life to Christ. And you will not be able to say, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. No. Initially, that thing hits you. You may have, it will take you time to kill it with wrong associations and wrong choices. But initially, you want to go. See, you do a big crusade. Come out if you want to give your life to Christ. 500 people come out, all right? See, if you want to know those who really gave their lives to Christ, then let them fill those cards. Don't call anybody. Tell them we are meeting here tomorrow morning to pray. Just go and wait. Anyone that did not come, they didn't give his life to Christ. Those who did, <laughs> they are the first to come there. Tell them it's by 9 o'clock. 8.30, they are waiting for you to open the door. Out of that 500 that came out that yesterday, you may get 150. Don't be deceived. Don't feel bad. It is that 150 that re- The other people, you know, like, there's a way it is. Let's go forward. <laughs> like somebody, let's go to the front. Let us even see what Rehomboki looks like. Ah, when you go to those big programs, a lot of people that come forward, they didn't come to give a life to Christ. Some of them are even Christians, but that's the only opportunity because before that time, they were forced to stay where they were. When you now say that, Let, give a life to Christ, they say, this stage I must reach out to. They go begin, go. They go, especially those big crusades. Their own is that they want, paradventure, some of them is even healing they are looking for. Paradventure to be able to touch the hem of his garment. You now give them card. Of course, they will feel it now. This guy is an ordained pastor somewhere else. He's feeling his <laughs> card. As new convert. So a lot of people come forward for different reasons. For those who are not Christians before, when they come forward like that, you want to know those who really gave their lives to Christ amongst them, just tell them, come back tomorrow morning. We are going to maybe baptizing or laying hands on you or praying for you or teaching you the word of God. They will rush and come. Why? A new appetite has been placed inside them. I hope you are getting my point. So how was God transforming Adam? That's the point I'm making. It is that you come, we talk. As he's talking, see, like they say, if you jump up, you will come down. But if you grow up, you will stay up. What was God doing? He was growing Adam up, if I can use that expression. How was he doing it? He was talking to Adam. And literally, he wasn't just coming to Adam, you know. Can I just say something to mothers, young mothers? One thing you don't do to children is go to them. The child thinks you are crazy. So, he can't tell you, but he thinks something's wrong with you. <laughs> don't imitate children. Let them imitate you. When people go there and you descend low and be imitating children. Why should you do that? The child is trying to grow. So, the blah, 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 he's saying, he was... Good morning, Holy Spirit. You are the one that turned it to blah, 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 blah. It wasn't blah, 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 he was trying to say. He heard Benihin say on television, good morning, Holy Spirit. He is trying to say good morning, Holy Spirit. You are turning it to blah, 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 blah. What am I going to say? Talk to that child normally. Please, young parents, listen. Parents of little children, listen. 
talk to the child normally. Say to John, hey, John, how are you this morning? The Lord bless you. And he will answer, he's trying to repeat what he said. Say, John, it's a great day today. Jesus is Lord. He's trying to say Jesus is Lord. Don't repeat that, that. Repeat what you said earlier. I hope you're getting my point. That way, the child will grow. Like I said, if everybody is talking to you normally, when you, you come, in his mind, say, the clown has come. <laughs> that is why you want to carry the child tomorrow. The child just give you shoulder. Come on, leave me. This one, I cannot talk. <laughs> What's the point I'm making? The Lord will be speaking to Adam. Adam was not just learning words. Now listen to this. He was not just getting information. He was being transformed. But transformation is based on the transmission of information. You hear what I said? See, another tip. If you want to be a teacher of children, make sure you're a good person. Pray for God to cleanse your heart. A lot of teachers are wicked souls. They're the ones producing evil in the society. They don't like the job they do. They're angry with their husband or they're angry with their wife. Some of them are angry with their father and they come and teach physics. As they are teaching physics, the child is learning wickedness. No, I'm telling you the truth. The child is learning anger. He's learning bitterness. And this guy is teaching physics. So. I'm telling you. See, spiritual things work funny. And listen, if you have to promote teachers hmm, or sack teachers, or employ teachers. These are the real traits you should look out for. I have something somewhere. One man said that that a happy teacher is more important than a knowledgeable teacher. He was trying to explain something. It's not what you have in your head. It's whether you're happy or not. Even before I saw that thing, I learned it. That children can learn anything. They don't need you. Did you ever show your child where the, where, where the game on your phone is? <laughs> Also, just, you know, if, I, if you buy a new gadget, just leave it with the child. He will find out how it works. He won't read the manual. What he can say, who manual help? The guy will not get time for reading manual. This guy is going to take the phone. <laughs> telling you. They will find it. Within a short, no, I keep on telling people who teach, your job is to excite the child to want to learn. That's it. Again, please, digression here and there. One of the worst things you can do to a child as a teacher is to be a hypocrite. You don't know something you are doing, you are bamboozling them. The child said, excuse me, sir. You said X squared minus X. You said X to minus one. How did it? This is a problem you don't read. You don't you are wrong. You can't see how you are wrong. You have to be doing a boju. When the child corrects you, look at it again. And if you're not sure, ask, you think he's wrong? He says, I don't know, but it's confusing. If you can't explain, a sign that you understand something is your ability to explain it to the person who knows nothing. It's a sign you understand it. In fact, one man, he said, the sign of understanding is ability to change perspective. I used to have the video on my computer. I don't know whether it's still there, but I can find it, at least on YouTube. This man took three over four. No, three over four. Three quarters. Just like you nodded now. I called it three over four. 
You said, okay. I said three quarters. You said, yeah. You understood. What you don't realize, I have changed perspective. You know, the man turned it to a rhythm. Let's say, he said, that's three over four. And he'll show it to you. This is going three times a second. This one is going four times. No, he just gave it like that. It don't, then he changed it to artwork. You know, it was at the TED talk. Eh? The whole audience got up and started clapping. The guy took three over four and gave us like six different perspectives. He said, the way you know you understand is the ability to change perspective. That's why the description to your house, you can give it. Where are you coming from? I'll be coming from Okunan. You describe it. So when you get here, you turn. You say, no, I'm not coming with a car. Oh, you're coming with a bus. Then you pause. You start again. You, why? you know it. He said, no, no, it's not Okunan. No. They say, we're coming from um, um, uh, Abakliki. Okay. Wait. Then you start again. You know the way to your house. But if there's only one way you can explain something, bros, you know no normal. Now cram, you cram up. Very important. Back to what I was trying to say. I know where I went into that. Okay? So you find a teacher, you don't understand something, a child points out to you, please, you earn respect by just admitting it. I teach students, sometimes they, those days, you know, you go to class, I'm going to say something. I say, ah, no. <laughs> These are boys who were born after I finished medical school. Yeah. Yet I come to class. So you see this guy, <laughs> one of my consultants, when they were talking, he said, Oga, oh I was in GS2 that time. Hey, that you were in GS2 while I was already teaching medical students in Enugu. And me and you are calling ourselves consultants in the same place. <laughs> <laughs> so it happens. So you're in class, you're teaching. One is in my mind. I just won't tell you what the person said. He just said, what about this? I just paused. Never heard of that before. There's no fight. I'll check it up. Next class, we'll answer that. I'll check it. Next time, we'll answer it. To my shock, it was a medical student that introduced that, that phrase to me. I did not know it existed in the whole of medicine. After I left class, I picked the books and said, okay. This boy is right. So next class I came, yes, somebody asked this one last time. I found out what it is. Thank you very much. Then we'll continue. See, what you pass across, according to Mike Mudok, he said those who transfer information transfer prejudice also. It's not just information. Look, what I'm adding to it is that you transfer spirit. That was why Jesus said the words that I speak, they are spirit. And their life. Anytime you're talking, is beyond just the things you are saying. There is something you are communicating. That's why mothers are told to talk to their unborn babies. And like I said, don't do blah, blah, blah. Leave that baby. He not like blah, 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 blah. He wants to say, because when you're talking, when you're doing blah, blah, blah to the baby, your, your mind is getting confused. Spirit, your spirit is disturbed. Put your hand on the tummy and say to the child, It is well, it is well with my soul today. They said they like songs. I don't know. They told me that. They said that they recognize music. As they are growing older, they are unborn, but they know, they, know, they know songs. They know music. Talk to the child. Say things. The spirit is entering. John heard the voice of Mary. And jumped inside there. 
I hope you're getting my point. It's so important we get it. Talk to children, you know. Just talk. Some fathers are very quiet. I had a very quiet dad like that. It was after a pastor started knowing some things about him. They were writing tribute. And I was discovering my father. Yeah, my friend's father wrote a tribute. I felt like asking my mom, is this your husband you're writing about? I was surprised. Because he was very quiet. Very, very quiet. I didn't used to see anything. And that time I thought, if he, if he and my mother, I hope my mother is not listening to this. She's probably listening. <laughs> Mommy, don't be angry. Let <laughs> me preach now. I, I use my wife. I, once you are related to me, I use it to preach. There's nothing you can do about it. <laughs> you know? <laughs> this is when we were young. I always thought he was wrong all the time if he and my mother ever had a disagreement. Only once I remember him being right and my mother was wrong and that's because I was there. All the other stories is told from my mother's perspective. You know when I finally realized he was right a lot of times when I married. (laughs) After I got married I suddenly realized my father was right. My wife would do something. I say, this was the one my mother was saying my father did. <laughs> what am I saying? Hmm? Fathers, don't be quiet. Talk. Talk. Talk to the children. Talk. Don't let the mother do all the talking. When you do that, the life is not balanced. They are skewed. Talk. And please don't talk only when you are angry. Otherwise, you raise angry children. And they don't realize it. They just drink of the spirit of anger. Who put this in here? You put this in here. This is after that. You won't say anything again. Next time they hear your voice, it's only when they have done something wrong. You don't even say, come, let's go and, go and read your Bible. You see Solomon, you'll find out something. Solomon talked about, see, I want you to get this thing clearly. The Bible says that Solomon wrote about the grass. He wrote about flowers. Why? If you know a bit about biology, walk out to your compound, pick a leaf, and talk to the children, three, four, five, about it. You want to go and put water in your engine, your radiator, or you want to go and wash the car, drag the five-year-old along, and explain to him how cars work. Don't worry. It's not about, you're not going to make him a mechanic. That's the Chuku's job. And um, Chinedu, leave those people. What you are trying to do is just communicate intelligently. You cannot communicate intelligently unless you are talking about something. And avoid talking about somebody unless you are talking about something good. Workmen at the back of your house building your BQ, stand there with them and talk about the building. That man is going to pour that concrete. Why? You know, when concrete you know, is mixed now, it's wet, you know, so it can flow. But after a while, it's going to become hard. They call it setting. It is set. One of the greatest problems we have in this generation is video games. Nothing is entering the head. The spirit is empty. We are raising soulless people. My wife and I went last the other day. When we were young, there was no video game. We did not have a video player in my house. 
in the whole neighborhood, there was one, there was one video cassette player, and that's when we were already growing up, when we were very, very small. Now, some people don't know that television was from 4.30 till 12 midnight. No, 11, 50, 11 to 11.30 was news cap. Then, no, 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 they will now watch the film. film will now end at like, some TVs will start the film before 11. 11, they will pause it. And you go and listen to news cap, network news. Then, you now finish your film by 12. And then, bam, 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 bam. Bam, 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 From that 4 o'clock, 4.30, till 12 midnight, you watch, you watch everything. You go watch children's program, adult program, talk show, quiz, debate, everything. From 4, ah, those were wicked to us. <laughs> the only time you got to watch anything for long was on Saturday and Sunday. That would now be 8 o'clock to 12 midnight. Sunday, 8 o'clock to 12 midnight. And your father will not let you watch television Saturday morning. He was suffering. Honestly. Come on. Ah. The children of this, they don't understand. Each channel is 24 hours, and they have like 100 channels. And that does not count the wonders on YouTube, because each human being has his own channel on YouTube. <laughs> so, so, because we didn't have all of these things, the only entertainment was book. That was the only entertainment. We'll be reading books like, I remember, Pace Setters. We started with Pace Setters. The African Writer Series, James Hadley Chase. Then the girls went to useless things like Mills and Booms. <laughs> <laughs> I never, you know, I couldn't understand why. You, I opened Mills and Booms. You read that three pages. Are you people okay? <laughs> I never could understand it. I never saw one, we didn't have one effeminate guy around us. No guy read Mills and Booms. Barbara Catlin, because of what? What are we reading? James Hadley Chase. And uh, um, what's the name of that guy? Nikki. Nikki There's another guy like Chase. No, for, uh, first time for senior boys. No, those are big, big boys' books. I'm talking about the ones, boys, teenagers, 13, 14, we used to read. Nikata. Oh, you don't know Nikata. Nikata was very, it was like, it was written like Chase. Except that there was just one character. Everyone, Nikata. It was just like James Alec. Re- I remember after my, um, what you call, um, Waik now. Well, it was called Waik that time anyway. Senior secondary school. When it was over. I read 50. At the group, one, back to back. James Alec Chase. Then some boys will now come and say, yeah, you're still reading Chase. They have moved to Jeffrey Archer and um, you know, Sydney Sheldon, stuff like that. And when you say, those are our senior boys, when they come, they won't go fat like this. That's all we did. We imbibe words all the time. One of the things I'm trying to do now is take good advantage of YouTube. Identify channels that educate you. I, I personally, apart from the spiritual ones, there's one particular man that does financial history, explain the market. I listen to him all the time. He's a, a very funny human being. I enjoy listening to him. Give me history. I, I, I follow physics. I follow history. follow that financial stuff. And then apart from the spiritual ones, feel yourself. Please bear that in mind. Children, listen, game is good, all right? But it's better to entertain yourself with something that is educative. 
Please, I hope you're getting my point. Very important what I'm, what I'm trying to say. So, each time you are teaching, when you want to communicate the spirit, you have to be talking about something intelligent. I was talking about teachers. If you find a teacher that's always angry, look for how to sack him. Or remove him from teaching, find him another job. Don't go and raise angry children for me. I hope you're getting my point. Like I said, dishonest ones are bad too. We'll be hiding behind I'm the boss. They can't own up to the fact that they are the one that's mistaken. Nothing wrong with being mistaken as long as it's not everything you say is a mistake. So what the Lord used to do was to come and talk intelligently with Adam. So he used to teach him things like physics. Adam was a student of physics, a student of geography, a student of mathematics. He, He was being taught astronomy. All the stars and all of that, the different kinds of stars, the Lord used to discuss those things. You see, many of you see, if you see anything in the Bible, let me just go to Song um, Ecclesiastes. He said, in addition, in addition to being wise, verse nine of uh, chapter twelve, the preacher also taught the people knowledge. Notice that, and he pondered, searched out, and arranged many proverbs. The preacher sought to find delightful words and to write words of truth correctly. Now, there's something I'm looking for. Okay, well, I won't have time to find it now. But notice something here. So, Solomon, he taught extensively. He taught the people everything. That's, yeah, if you read New Living Translation, verse 9. He said he taught the people everything he knew. He listened to, carefully to many proverbs studying and classified them. The teacher sought to find just the right words to express truths clearly. What I wanted to bring out is the fact that Solomon wrote extensively on different things. Alright? He wrote, in fact, okay, I think I read, I heard this from somebody. There's so many, you know, of course, it's also in the scriptures. The guy discussed, you know, trade, international trade. Solomon used to teach trade. He taught no metallurgy. He taught many things. Now, I'm going somewhere with all of this talk. When God used to come to Adam, exactly what he used to do. He used to teach Adam about all kinds of things. Adam was learning about the soil. See, all the things you learn now in school. Truth, though, not lies, though. The true things, though. You know, a lot of, half of the things they teach children, this is they are lies. No, no. Children are not taught too many lies. Just a few lies. Adults are the ones that lie to themselves. They just come sit down. So they want to talk about global warming. Then they lie for like 10 hours. They win awards for telling lies. And then when their lies are proven to be false, they just they change it again and continue to tell it. They will never stop. Why? Everything they say is driven by an agenda. I discovered one yesterday. Let me not go into it now. It was painful. You want to cry. This transgender thing, the, the young boy they used as an experiment. What they never reported was that they were twins. His brother died of drug overdose. He committed suicide. The doctor that used them never said anything about it. I never found out until I watched that video yesterday. Even though I knew from scripture, everything they were saying. Everything they were saying, lies, lies, lies. So adults lie a lot. So truth. God used to teach truth to Adam. He would tell Adam about how he made the stars. 
dicotyledons, monocotyledons. They're different in their root system. They will come to animals. The ones that have backbones, the ones that don't have. They go to chemistry. Why water freezes at zero degrees and boils at 100 degrees Celsius? I don't know the, the grading system we used that time because Celsius had not been born. All those <laughs> but he taught him all of those things. Why water boiled? See, let nobody lie to you that human beings was fumbling around. No. Adam learned. God taught him the real things. Please, I want to drop something for you. No, if I start it, it will move me away from what I'm saying. Adam learned the real things. He learned. But what was happening, all right, is that as the Lord was talking to him, he wasn't just giving him information. As he was telling me about stars, he's giving Adam the ability to make stars. Do you get what I'm saying? As he was speaking to Adam, Adam was drinking of divine nature concerning manufacturing of stars. Truth. And the most important revelation that God used to give Adam, I left that to the last, the most important revelation God gave to Moses, the most important revelation God gave in Jesus to us is in knowledge about himself. He wasn't bragging. If they come in here and say, please, where's Pastor Banke? Is he bragging when I say I'm the one? If they say, um, what's his boy's name? Says Chukube. Where's his mother? And Jedi puts up her hand. Is that bragging? Is she trying to compete with anybody? Am I the boy's mother? Oh, I am not. So when God would talk about himself, it wasn't a bragging thing. He wanted things to be put in proper perspective. So when he would say, I am the Lord, the Lord God, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in loving kindness and truth, he was transforming Adam by that statement. Because, you see, you cannot live properly in this life until you know and are acquainted with the source of life. I don't know whether you get my point. Let me tell you something again about faith. This thing hurt my body. I don't know. I wish you could see what I'm feeling. Let me tell you something about faith. Peter began to sink, walking on water. And Jesus, can I borrow the word Lord, panicked and got angry. I'm putting everything together, his reaction. I said, why did you doubt? I don't know whether I get my point. He didn't go there and say, Peter, don't worry, it'll be okay, it'll be okay. Come, 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 it'll be okay. Don't worry, don't worry, next time. No. He said, why did you doubt? And you must understand what doubt is. A key factor in production of faith is knowledge. A key factor in generation of unbelief is ignorance and misunderstanding. What am I going to say? If Adam understood life well, see, when we were young, we used to learn some mysticism just accidentally because you're watching Yoruba dramas. And if you ever grew up in Western Nigeria and you watched drama before television came and spoiled everything, or those early television shows, they had only two kinds of plays in Yoruba land. Spiritual plays and comedy. They didn't have any other thing. Romance was when one guy came from India. Oh, no, Lanka, this was before you were born. There was one guy who came. They used to call him Arishikola Ayoks. He came from India, started doing romance play. 
in Yoruba language. And he'll be singing like Indian. And of course, we'll be watching him too. We're gross. My friend, get away. Let's leave us with our juju and uh, comedy. We had good comedy, you know, very good comedy and spiritual plays. When they're doing the spiritual ones, we learned a lot. Now as a Christian, I look back. There was a time I was tempted to go and study Udufa. But the Holy Spirit just says it's not necessary. If you read your scriptures, everything that they have inside there, you have three times, ten times, fifty times as much in your Bible. One man is because those guys were deeply mystical and understood spiritual things. So they used to tell us things like, if you know the name of bullet, it can't enjoy you. You see everything you watch in Matrix. It may be like sci-fi, all right? The truth is this, eh? There's a spiritual aspect to it. This is the thing we're growing that looks, look, like, maybe this door will not open. It says because you don't know his name. That if you know the name of that door, anytime you call it, it will open by itself. They used to tell us that, look, the key eh, to anything is just understand. Now, basically, let me give you more than words. It's understand it. If you understand it, it will provoke faith in you. And once you have faith, you look at the door, it will open. You know, when I began to study scriptures, I realized that those things were absolutely true. It was the reason why Jesus looked at Peter and said, why did you doubt? Because if, you, if the faith was there, a tsunami could not sink Peter. It couldn't sink Peter. A tsunami could not sink him. It was the reason why Jesus was never afraid of anything. They tried to kill him many times. It didn't work. His disciples told him, he said, look, let's go. Lazarus is sick. He's sleeping. Let's go wake him up. They said, that's the place where they want to kill you. He used to make statements like, don't worry. A prophet cannot perish outside Jerusalem. Don't worry about it. You were not going to Jerusalem. We are going to Bethany. He didn't say they didn't have guns. There's a depth of revelation God will give you. Hmm? You start your car. You have to go to Onicha for something. You are busy till 12 midnight here. 12.30 a.m. You start your car and start driving. They say, don't come to Osumogu. You will go there. You will park and buy roasted yam by the roadside. And it doesn't bother you. That's an Anambra. Yeah, you get my point. They will say, don't go, don't drive on the road between um, Kaduna and Abuja. It is 12 midnight, you will start traveling. And it won't be an issue for you. It's not look. I don't walk by faith. Sorry, I don't walk by sight. I walk by faith. Nothing will happen to me. You just be driving. When they stop you, if there's one man of God who says, let me not mention his name. He came to our church in Adwekiti to preach. So we're like, ah, where will our guy stay? This other guy is going. He finished ministering maybe around 9 o'clock or so, 10 o'clock. He was traveling further down somewhere in the west. So, so after we finished preaching, I joined them to see him off. He entered his motor. I remember when one Agbada, one nice long 280S, entered. No escort, nothing. He had a driver, he had a driver, and they took off. Ah, so like, our guy is traveling. That means I think it's like 12 midnight, 1 a.m. What if you meet uh, armed robbers on the road? He said he'll wind down and introduce himself and wind back up again. They leave the road and he keeps going. That's, no, that's what he used to do. No matter who blocks the road, he will just wind down. I am so, 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 so pressing. Whether it's police, whether it's soldier, whether it's armed robbers, whether it's ritual killers, he will just wind down 
introduced himself. They will remove the barricade. He went back up and continued. He said, that's how he does. He never, he did. <laughs> so it was the rest of us panicking. The demand said, it's not the problem. He finished preaching. I remember after everything, he just entered his car. Like, sir, do you know what time it is? No, I was panicking. They said, no, I, should, I should leave him up. That the man knows what he's doing. He didn't have an escort. It was just him and the driver. He just sit at the back and sleep. Anything happened, driver wake him up. So when the Lord will come to Adam, that's the point I'm making to you. He didn't come to the Adam to be doing to, to, to this. No. He starts talking to Adam. He tells him who he is. He describes himself to Adam. So nobody else in the universe could scare Adam. So I'm going to kill you. He said, the Lord, is that you? So who? What do you mean? Why are you calling me the Lord? Oh, you're not the Lord? No. Yeah, that's it. You can't kill. He's not fighting with you. He's not you're just telling you. Matter of factly, you can't kill. And your arms will go limp. And you'll be staring at him like that and you'll keep walking. And you want to say, I will kill you. Just, it looks like he says, Stop saying that. That's blasphemy. And when he says blasphemy, he's warning you that why do you want to take the place of the Lord? He says, Stop saying that. That's blasphemy. Life begins with him. It cannot end unless he says so. Who are you? If you raise that hand again, the word becomes flesh and kills you. I'm going to say, Adam, what happened to him? Say, I don't know. I told him to stop blasphemy. He died for blasphemy. The word became flesh. The word of God is alive and active. So when God will come to Adam, that's what I'm making. All he used to do, talk intelligently to Adam, tell Adam about the universe, teach Adam about biology, physics, chemistry, and to me, most importantly, on the subject, mathematics. Mathematics is the fabric of everything. He would teach Adam mathematics. Our God, Adam must have known book. But most importantly, he would tell about himself. I know what that does. He transmits his spirit into Adam. Adam rises from that place. His shoulder can never bow down. It's not possible. When Adam is looking at you like this, it's his arms, you know, shoulders back. Confidence. You know, he said those that know their God shall be what? Strong. They are strong when they know their God. He said a wise man is strong. A man of knowledge multiplies strength. And the highest knowledge you can have is the knowledge of the most high. Did you hear what I said? The highest knowledge you can have is the knowledge of the most high. What's the point I'm making? God has called us to maturity. How does that maturity come? It comes by having the mind. You know, that's why I went to all of this. The mind of Christ. What is the mind of Christ? That's what I'm talking about. What is the mind of Christ? He's having the knowledge of the spiritual. He's having the knowledge of the plan of God. He's having the knowledge of the things that please the Father. He's having the knowledge of where the power is. He's having the knowledge of the reason why you are alive. See, like I said at the beginning, when we say as many as are led by the Spirit of God, that's what he was saying. That is, it gets to a point, every leading there, please, let me, let me 
explain this properly. Leading does, it was not follow me, follow me, follow me, follow me. No, it's leading is proportion, proportion. What is pushing you? What is pushing you? What's directing you? What is attracting you? I hope you're getting my point. What is the reason you are doing what you are doing? Now, when you have all of that in you, as the same that was in Christ, every decision you will make will be pleasing to God. And when God is building us up, like I said, let me just repeat it again. People think that what is a sign of maturity you can hear from God? No. What is a sign of maturity you can talk like God? What is a sign of maturity you can reason like God? What is a sign of maturity you have the mind of Christ? For that reason, listen to this carefully. For that reason, the Lord has less needs to give you instructions on day-to-day basis. Why? Because your very thoughts, your very desires, everything going on in your heart is exactly what God has in his heart. So, without having to speak to you, it's as if he has spoken to you. I hope you're getting my point. Without having to speak to you, it's as if you are constantly being spoken to. You are becoming an embodiment of what the Bible calls the Logos. The word of God. He said the word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. What is God planning for each one of us? What is his plan for us? That each one sitting down here becomes the word manifested in what? In flesh. When you open your mouth to talk, you are talking like God. That is true spirituality. You want to come and tell somebody, the Lord spoke to me yesterday. Most of the time when the Lord is speaking to you, it's an assignment. Get it, listen. Bear this in mind clearly. Most times God has to speak to somebody. It's an assignment. Why? Because there are so many other things about life that are outside you, which he has a wealth of knowledge. The only thing you have is a word of knowledge. Okay? He has a wealth, the depth of everything. So if he wants to tell you, Chooks, go and minister to Emeka, he has to give you information that you don't have. So he will say to you, leave your house. He's going to be leaving his house by 8 o'clock. Be there by 7.50. I want you to talk to him. You can never come rationally to that decision. You don't have enough information. So many people who you hear, God said this to me, God said this to me, God said to me, they are performing their prophetic function. It is not a sign of their personal spirituality. Personal spirituality hears little as communication from God. Personal spirituality develops you until you are reasoning the way he does. So if somebody is making personal decisions every day in his life, and he's going to tell you, God said, God said, God said, disregard him. It's not serious. Unless what he meant by God said is scripture. At that point in time, you know, they said I should come and take that job. And I was like, what should I do? What should I do? I just remember that the Bible says. That's spirituality. I hope you're getting my point. Please go and read my book, Guided by the Spirit. That is true spirituality. So what are we supposed to do? That's what I've been trying to get to. It is the reason why we go for the knowledge of God. You know, people sometimes, I remember those days, I'll be listening to when I'm not working. That like, I'm in the hospital then, one clinic where I used to work. And once I'm idle, I mean, like, there's no patient with me, there's nothing I'm doing, I always have a tape playing. I remember one guy there working in the same clinic. He came and said, ha, hmm. He said, Doc, it looks like you want to be a pastor. Now, you know, there are things that pain you because, <laughs> mostly because the answer to that was yes. However, not for the reason he said it. 
And it was difficult for me to explain to him that what I'm doing has nothing to do with my plans or the call of God over my life. What I'm doing is what all of us should be doing, whether you want to be a pastor or not. But we're just unfortunate that he was writing that you want to be a pastor. But that was not the reason why I was doing what I was doing. But sometimes I used to tell my wife when I'm talking to her sometimes, I said, I wish you were not my wife so I can tell you this so you know it's not your husband saying it. <laughs> this is a prophetic word. But you know, if you say a prophetic word to somebody in your household, it's almost as if it's a word from knowledge. <laughs> not a word of knowledge. Now, I keep on saying this that you husbands and wives, you know some things the Lord has helped us to know over the years. One of the hardest things to do in life is to honor a personal prophet. It's very difficult. So you have to learn and be deliberate about it. What I mean by personal prophet? If Jesus comes to your house, you will do it like those who did do. Because he's your brother. He's your friend. You guys used to play, play rough and tumble together those days in the sand. Then you will chase him and chase him. Now that is anointed. What kind of anointing is that? It's very hard. You have to close your eyes and say, like I used to tell my wife, I said, tell yourself, my husband is anointed to give me direction. It's true. It's very important. You have to activate that grace. You have to be deliberate about it. That's what I mean, but it's very difficult. You are smiling and your wife is eyeing you. <laughs> Look at it. As I was saying this, the guy was like this. As they nod, now you have iron like this, eh? <laughs> you iron. <laughs> no, why? Seriously. You have to do that. You have to, you have to be deliberate. You have to activate the grace. All right? Let me not, I, I talked about that the other time. Let me not sit on it now. So, like I was saying, what the Lord does, okay, okay, now there's something why I went to that. So, that man that day, he asked me that, and he pained me because the answer was yes. But what I was trying to get him to understand is that this has nothing to do with my calling in life. This is the life of every Christian. Let me be practical with you again. Every time there should be a book you are studying. There should be a message you are not just listening to, you are engaging with. If you pick a particular message, don't, be, don't do like, I have finished with it. No. I've, it's more like I'm with it until I get the substance of what he's saying. When God is filling you, and see, many of us get used to that thing, you know, like you come to church now, if this place is scattered, there's wind blows and people fall under the power and then the place is glowing and all of that. We're like, oh, God came down today. But you know the truth? As he came down, so has he gone now. Usually, now this is a matter of fact. Few people leave that place with anything tangible for long. Not because they are wicked, but because that's how it's supposed to be. That experience is supposed to ignite you in a particular direction. Then you go and pursue that direction with aggression. You know, I said something here, I think it was other, the, the, not this last message, the one before that. That one was in university. That was until that day, two Saturdays ago here, I think. That was when it hit me what really happened. I participated in all the spiritual meetings. We will lay hands when I say lay hands on us, we're not the one laying hands. I got involved in laying hands on people later on. But initially, we will lay, they will lay hands on us. We will, we will start meeting. We don't know where it will end. They say, Holy Spirit is moving. Holy Spirit moved. People moved. So, in all kinds of things. 
people, they blow on you, you fall, whatever, really, or you're playing, whatever. But I was there. We saw, if I, if I was there, we were in a meeting. Some people said they saw an angel walk across. Yeah, seriously. When I got my friend, and that guy was not into such things, bright. He said, I saw it. Banky, I did. I'm telling you. All kinds, you know, I, I got into school when these things were boom, all over the place. Many of them, so a few of those guys who used to do those things, one of them, now I won't mention his name, was very prominent, very, very prominent pastor in Nigeria. Now, many are not that prominent. They're still in ministry. But I think, two weeks ago, now I was talking about that. The most important thing we took away from there, and those who didn't get it lost out entirely, the most important thing we took away from there was the drive to know God and the ability to receive knowledge and understanding. If you fell under power 50 times and you did not collect Ken Hagen to read, you went back, in fact, people backslid. They fell under power, rose under power, slept under power, spoke in tongues, interpreted tongues, and backslid. Why? Because the real thing we're supposed to take away from there was not storytelling. Was that you left there, you took your Bible, it made meaning to you. Do you know, there was a Bible I took from my dad then I took to school. So later on, it shocked me. I was reading the book of Romans, as confusing as Roman can, Romans can be in an old book, Bible. I had half of it shaded as a young boy. I shaded and shaded. And I was trying to remember everything inside. As a student, by the time I was leaving university, I could say to you, I had read almost every book in the Hagen wrote. Almost every. Almost every. And for a few years after I added the rest we had not read. Every little book he brought, we read. Right around thinking, we read it. You know, five hindrances to growth in grace. You read it, five steps of spirit. We kept on reading everything. Once he writes it, we read it. We just read, 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 read. I told him when I'm going to class, first, first 30 minutes, I started my scriptures first. When I left university, started my house job. First worldly possession I invested my money in was the Bible. I bought that Bible for 250 naira. My salary was 750 if not 300 naira. The Bible. I still have it. If you want, I can show it to you. I still have the Bible. It's at home. The Companion Bible by E.W. Bollinger. No, R.W. Bollinger. The first thing I invested my money in. Because we had it on camp. I've only seen two of it in my life. Till today. Two physical copies I've only seen. The one I have and the one we had in my room before then. Which belonged to my fellowship. But now the Bible is available. They have a website. Everything is available for free online. Okay, so in fact, the other day I downloaded, because you could download their, their notes as PDF. So I downloaded the notes as PDF. So it's available online now, because you can't download the whole Bible. You can download the notes. So just go there. The Bible is available now online. What am I saying? I look back now. That was the result of the outpouring of the Spirit. Do you get my point? That was the result of it. Many people after, you know, Reverend Kola Wesho came to Enugu once. And I went to see him. We were talking. And he told me a lot of stories, things that happened in school before we came and all of that. And he said something. He's now, I'm, again, I'm putting many things together and understanding them properly. He said when they were in school then, anointing came heavily. Ah, he told us something. But there was one thing he said. I'm sure he doesn't mind me sharing it openly, so it's not a secret. That that time, oh, let me tell you about the kind of anointing they had. I told one brother in this town, that anointing, he participated in it. He mentioned the name of a prominent Nigerian actor. If I mention the name, you'll know. He said one day in this city, he, played, he prayed for the fellow. 
he laid hands on him. You know, his own eyes were closed. As he was about to pray, he closed his eyes. He opened the eyes and the guy was missing. But his shoes were there. Then he found him over there. You don't get it. As he touched him, the spirit took the guy up, left his shoes behind, and threw him backwards inside the city. When Reverend Kola told me of things that happened that these guys were doing things. Students, anointing, fire. Lay hands on the sick. Boom! They hit like this. Word of knowledge. Boys, third year students from university, come to a city and shake the city down. That's not the gist. The gist was that Reverend Kola said when they left university, so of course, what did most of them do? Ministry. As soon as they started preaching, all that power disappeared. Everything vanished. They will come to a Bible study. They will open Genesis chapter 1. Genesis 1 will just remain like that. They finish preaching, let us share the grace in fellowship. They will share the grace and go like, Holy Spirit, you didn't come to church today. Holy Spirit say, I came. Why didn't you move? Move what now? He said the thing caused him to panic. He went to go and pray. He went and prayed and said to the Lord, what is going on? The Holy Spirit said, calm down. Everything you guys saw was to help you focus on what is real. Now focus on what is important and teach the word. He said, the Holy Spirit said down to him clearly. He didn't use the word calm down. The one I didn't calm down. That was when he calmed down and took his Bible and began to teach and to instruct people in the word of God. Please stop going around looking for signs and wonders and who will push you down under the power. If they finish with you like that and there's no renewed hunger for truth, you have wasted time. Because the only one that endures is the word that is you know, pushed in, filled in. That's the only spirit that endures. Ken Hicken told the story that he said, if you've seen spiritual manifestation, we've saw it too. So what didn't we see? Ken Hicken said, you lay hands on people, they almost climb the wall. So we'll do deliverance meeting. When deliverance, after a few months, people are not are tired of deliverance meeting, we'll turn into loosening meetings. After two months of losing them, we, we turn into getting free meetings. You've been delivered. Hallelujah. You have been loosed. Amen. Now time to get totally free. You will say freedom is my portion. They will lay hands. Say, people will crawl under the power, sleep under the power, wake under the power, fall under the power, climb the wall under the power. One of my sisters said she saw she was there. They lifted into the air under the power. Not somebody told her. She was there. I can tell the man who was ministering, you all know him. They were secondary school children. Nobody was doing magic. At the end of the day, what does he say? It have do. Kenegin said, we did all of those things. He said, one thing he noticed was that nobody's life was changed. Kenegin, whose Bible school is right below us here, he said, no life was changed. He said, the sick remain sick. Nobody was freer than before. So he went and prayed and said, God, what is going on? So the Holy Spirit said to him clearly, you want to do with this your Holy Spirit meetings what only the word of God can do. So he came back to church and said, oh boy, everybody is enough. Next week we are studying the book of Ephesians. Not lay hands on anybody. Everybody sit down. It says something later that only two people in all the 12 years he pastored churches were dramatically healed. Only two. They used to have meetings. People would come from outside. He prays for them. They would get healed. But the members of the church, only two were ever dramatically healed. The reason, we'll talk about that another time. But let me just summarize it because I'm looking at time now. He said, however, every single member of the church got healed and not one person died under him while he pastored for 12 years. 
Not one. What's the summary? He found out that as they were being taught the word of God, their lives were improving on a daily basis. That that was the key for the believers. So all the, he said he got, he stopped. That what he just started doing all the time is teach the word morning, afternoon, and night. All he did was teach them the word. They will pray. Teach the word. They will pray. Teach the word. Imbibe the word. As they were imbibing the word, people were getting healed. But it was hardly dramatic. The one day one, his wife pointed out to him that, do you realize that nobody died? Nobody. Many fell sick, but they all got well. What am I saying? People of God, <laughs> we'll finish this thing. All right? Not today. I'm just leaving it here. What are we talking about? Today I've talked about having the mind of Christ. And that is as you are getting... Okay, let me just mention a few things. Then we'll go. The young man who said to me, Doc, you want to be a pastor, who unfortunately was right, he forgot the fact that this is what every Christian should be doing. I told us before about the consequences of ignorance. Remember I said intelligent study of the word is what must be part of what you are doing. Remember I said that. You must really want to understand something. A few things you must go out to look for. I'll just list them. If the Lord helps us, uh, we might come back to it. If not, we'll move on. One, as you are studying the scriptures, you must desire, one, to learn the character of God. What is God like? You must want to know it. Many times people get into confusion. John Lennox, I heard him debating Richard Dawkins. And he said, Dawkins didn't like what I said. He was reporting it later. Because he wrote a book called The God Delusion. He said to Dawkins, actually, I agree with you that God is a delusion. The kind of God that you are describing. He said, every God that's like that, for us Christians, they are delusions. And he gave scripture. <laughs> Their gods are a delusion. Jeremiah chapter 10. There's a particular line said, the images they make. Eh? Yes, the images they make are a fraud. That's what I'm looking for. That's near NIV. Say so the images they make are a fraud. There is no breast in them. They are worthless. The work of mockery. He now said, in the time of their judgment, they will perish. Now, John Lennox was letting Dawkins understand the next line. He said, but the Lord is it. He said, what's the next line? Before they said, the Lord is true God. Yes, for the portion of Jacob is not like this. For the maker of all things is he, including Israel, the people of his covenant. The Lord Almighty is his name. That was one thing John Lennox was trying to tell Dawkins. Say, Dawkins, the God you are describing, I agree with you, is a delusion. Because you ask statements like, who created God? He said, you have, he said, the God you are asking about is a created being. That's not the one I'm talking about. <laughs> he said, for you to be able to ask who created God, then the God you are talking about was created. The one I'm talking about is eternal. Nobody created him. He said, we have gone all over the universe. We have not seen God. He said, have you seen Picasso inside his painting? He said, do you see, do you see Steve Jobs inside your iPhone? No. You will not find Bill Gates inside Microsoft uh, Windows. You won't find Bill Gates inside Windows. He said, how do you go into his creation to look for the creator? Who told you that's where he lives? It's good to hear men talk sometimes. What am I trying to say? You're studying scriptures. You want to know the character of this, your father. One thing I always like to add for Christians. 
you have to know that he's a judge. He's not only good, he's fair. There are so many things about him. But your desire every time is to learn. When I was a young boy, they told me that he never does anything bad. I know what they call bad. That is the devil that does it. I grew up studying my scriptures and realized that they lied. Or they were mistaken. Let me not use the word lie. They were mistaken. He kills and he makes alive. That's from studying scriptures. So anytime you are studying your Bible, there's something you are looking for. You want to know the character of God. You want to know next the things of Christ Jesus. Because God existing in eternity, one day came into the world that he made. And he became flesh. He sent his only son who had existed with him in eternity. and said, you go. And he came. And he said to all the angels, worship him. And he said to the all creation, worship him. Why? By him, I made all things. You need to know about Christ Jesus. He died on the cross. What does that mean? Other things you want to learn. Now that you are redeemed. You know I said there's a new man. There's an old man. No, you need to learn things. What does it mean to be a believer? When you hear me say things I say, I have never in my life, and I'm not joking about it, God is my witness. Ever since I started praying for myself, never prayed against witches. Never. I can't remember praying about the devil. The devil will not get me. The devil, can you get somebody? Are you all right? That's my attitude. Because from scriptures we understood his power. All power belongs to God. That's what he said. What about the devil? He's a tempter, he's an accuser. So we follow like Jesus Christ. The prince of this world is coming, but he has nothing in me. So I just keep on walking. So Jesus said, what do you do? Pray that you will not fall into temptation. So that's the prayer I pray. That's how I handle the devil. That's how I resist the devil. He lies when it comes lying. You know, something happened to me the other day. I wasn't feeling well. I thought, these are people who die. They just start like this. I said, that's how they also live. I believe me alone. Plant anything in my head. <laughs> that is all Satan does. Lie. So you learn about the things of Christ Jesus. You aim also to learn about, you learn spiritual principles. The word of God has different aspects. There are promises, but there are also precepts. I think I should get back to that one next time. You learn the promises. You learn how the spirit works. Because I said that one because Paul said, concerning the things of the spirit, I don't want to be ignorant. What does that tell you? Many people are ignorant. And that ignorance is not helping them. Because many people who don't understand that, they get carried away by false prophets. Who can tell what's inside their pocket? Prophesy, Papa. Prophesy. You're a prophet with address. You're not a Sunday school teacher. Can I go deeper right now? Papa, go deeper. You know, those of you have, <laughs> those of you have watched that film, I'm, at least you see I've been vindicated by the movie. What I'm saying, you know, many of you have been saying for a long time, every time you see a prophet that they have to wind. The day you know that I have gone mad is when I'm preaching and Steve is standing here. <laughs> I say, Pastor, tell them. Just know that me and him are going to hellfire. There's no need. <laughs> uh, you know, that was, to me, that was the funniest of it. I said, Ororo is burning. <laughs> Ororo is burning. <laughs> It was so funny because this is exactly what they do. This, no, those guys, when you hear them like that, they are, they are operating familiar spirits. No, we've known it for a long time. It's nothing new. Oh, Lord, I don't care who, I don't care who, I know the one you thought was Jenny. If he behaves like that, he's in a familiar spirit. The real Holy Spirit hates being interrupted. The real Holy Spirit hates being disturbed. Many people were carried away. That's where I'm going. Because they never understood these things. 
One of the reasons why it didn't impress me is because we learned about them early. Ken Hagen used to talk about familiar spirits. Derek Prince taught us about familiar spirits. We heard about them early. We even have some experiences with some of them. I've had testimony from people that I know about the operation of these spirits. So from the time I was young, I couldn't be moved. So you see vision. It doesn't move. One of the most dramatic testimonies I heard was on the mouth of Derek Prince. He was casting out a demon from a young woman, and the woman suddenly had a vision, and he told her, carry your vision. Come out of her. Why? He said, I see you in a car, wrecked around the tree. Now, let me just quickly add this one to you, then I close with it. I was reading my Bible the other day, and I found out that God says something. Nobody on this earth, no spirit on this earth can accurately predict the future. Only him can do it. Now, other spirits come out. They peep into what has been determined. Do you get my point? Yeah, they peep into what has been determined. Because anything you see physically happened, spiritually speaking, shortly ahead of time. That is, if you have a very good peeping spirit (laughs) into the realm of the spirit, all right, you can see those who have died now or who are still walking around. So you can say this person is going to die shortly. Yeah, that's possible. So it appears like the immediate future, they can tell you. A match is about to be played. They can tell you who will win, and it's not good. Why? Before they march into the pitch, the match has been concluded spiritually. Yeah, before they march into the pitch, the match has been concluded. But the things that really, that have not yet been determined for every spirit to see, nobody. That's why God dared them in Isaiah chapter 41. He said, predict the future, let me see. Say, bring it now. Come and tell us whether, say, whether it's good or bad. Tell us. If you can do it, you're a true God. He hits me, therefore. If any spirit comes to tell me anything, I tell him to get out. Because what they do sometimes, they can rebuild their plans. Yeah, they come with their plans to you. You know what, they, what they're revealing? Their own demand before the judgment throne of God. That's why I say to you again. If anybody comes and says, I see death around you, don't be scared. Just check your life. Take it as an opportunity to just check your life. Now, never rebuke that death. You can't. A lot of people don't know that. You can't. You don't have the power. They begin to pray. We break the power of death. Death in the name of Jesus. You will not kill this person. Listen, death is like Neko. If he's, I don't mean the example. I mean like the Egyptian pharaoh. If he's been given power to kill somebody, nobody can stop it. Okay? So what do you simply do? You do the introspection. God, I hope I'm walking in your will. Whose wife am I collecting? Where am I going? No, just do those general checks, bitterness. Once that your heart, and if he's there, repent, confess to God, ask God for mercy over your life, and forget it. Because one of the ways they walk is to scare you. They present to you their own plan, which has been coming to pass in the lives of the people that don't follow the Lord Jesus Christ who don't know how to intercede. One brother, I've told his story countless times, and he said, Pastor Banky, I used to have this feeling I was going to die before this particular age, that I wouldn't live beyond this particular age. A few days to that age, a number robber stopped his car and shot at him at close quarters. But months before then, he had given his life to Christ and changed the trajectory in the realm of the Spirit. 
The spirit of death had been following him around for a long time because he said he would stand alone in a place. He would just know there's somebody there. He opens his eyes. He didn't see anybody. He would go and check his doors. Nobody. He said, but he knew that somebody is here. So after he gave his life to Christ, that feeling disappeared. He didn't even know where he disappeared. He, nobody's following me about anymore. Then just before he turned that particular age, he said he would never live beyond. Some boys just blocked him. One guy jumped. He said his eyes were red. You see this guy is high. He's not thinking. Just pulled out a gun. Pua! Fired at him. He was driving. The bullet never got to him. An angel just blocked it. Pam! Later on, they found the bullet in the body of the car. The man who was there said, I saw when they killed you. Because they met at the police station. <laughs> he laughed, said, no, I'm alive. Said, Look at me. He said, you are not the one. He said, I'm the one. This is so kind. He said, yes, I saw when they killed you. I said, no, what happened was that what Satan had planned, he saw it. And for many people, what Satan plans happens in their lives. You know how to deliver yourself? Get out of his plan. Derek Prince that day said that the girl said to him, I see you in a car wrecked around the tree. He said, you have, it's all has street. You have seen the plan of the devil. Unfortunately, I don't walk in the devil's plan. Let's bow down here. Say, Father, thank you for the knowledge that you have given us today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for filling us with the revelation of your will. Say, Lord, thank you.